Welcome to the Self-Publishing Tips and Tricks Show, a series designed to give you insight into the world of self-publishing and marketing your books. Featuring your hosts, Shannon, the author behind the pen name SC Houston, Ben Pick, and Morgan Lee. Join us several times each month when we interview authors about their self-publishing and marketing journeys, talk to industry leaders, and discuss books about writing, self-publishing, and marketing. Also stay tuned for the best self-publishing tip or trick of the week. Hi everyone, I'm Ben Pick, and today we're speaking with romance author, Emma Bennett. Before we talk to her, let's give some updates on what's happening in our lives and our writing careers. While this episode will come out in February, we are recording it way back in November 2023. So some of our news might be old or our predictions outdated. Yeah. So for me, my plan right now, as we are in November recording this, is to have book three of my trilogy probably set to release in March. That is the the hope that I still have (laughs) at this current time of recording um, to get that third book out and complete the series. So that is what I have coming up. And uh, I'm also planning uh, different things on my channel. So hopefully as you're watching this, there are some new videos and content on my channel for you all to enjoy. So that's all I have really going on. Yay. So uh, um, I can't remember what date exactly this is coming out the first of the 15th, but it is coming out in February, which uh, my book, A Curse of Scales and Feathers, should now be coming out. I thought I'd have it come out January 16th or so, somewhere around there, because that's right after I come back off my break. But after listening to a uh, book marketing company, uh, I watched a webinar like a week and a half ago, and he was saying that Amazon is behind in their algorithm. So right now, like if you get a, you publish a book right now, um, it will take up to 69 hours before you will hit any type of ranking. So you could be doing like, you know, sales and stuff and promotions and paying for book promotions, and you're not going to see anything from it for over 69 hours. And they're saying that what they're seeing is that started um, with the Amazon Prime days back in October the 19th, 18th and 19th. And it's and they said it's just getting worse because now we're heading into holiday season and Black Friday's coming up. And they said, so now they've decided as a book marketing company, they're no longer, and they work directly with authors, they're no longer doing any book releases in uh, through November through end of January because of that, because of the, the, and I thought, oh, well, maybe it might not be a good idea to publish my book mid-January, maybe end of January <laughs> might be better. So I'm kind of, and it, it's, it would be a good time because it is a fantasy romance is romance plot first. So coming out close to February, month of love, right? <laughs> so it kind of fit for me. Uh, I will be on my YouTube channel. I plan to, if it works out right, and it should be happening, hopefully, uh, is that I would like to have every day or pretty much every day in, in February, I'd like to bring on a fantasy romance author to talk about fantasy romance writing. So that's that's kind of my goal. I'm starting to reach out to authors here in the next week in November to see if I can get this plan off the ground. Oh, and I'm Shannon, writing on the pen name of SC Houston. I did not say that. <laughs> I didn't introduce myself either. <laughs> Okay. Uh, yeah, and I'm Ben Pick, uh, host of Writing to Write. Uh, other than that, um, I also by February will hopefully have my manuscript ready to go. It might be in the final week of the final editor, and then in theory, I can put it out as soon as I make those changes. So I'm looking to publish. I guess kind of delaying that a little bit. I'm going to try and make it a con exclusive for uh, one of the cons I'm going to. I'm either going for Balticon or Awesome Con. Awesome Con is in March. Balticon is May. So I might just be sitting on my book for a little bit and start working on the next one, I guess. So you said you're going to make it exclusive for publish ca- publication for during the Baltic- during those cons? Sorry. Um, yes, yes. I'm going to make it exclusive during those cons. And then after that, I'll just be published whenever. So I'm going to decide probably by the time this comes out when I want to do it, when I want to publish it and which con I want to have it as an exclusive for. Okay. And have you thought about doing just like an exclusive publication just for the cons? Like like you can still publish your book, but do something specific? I, I, could, I could definitely do that. Uh, I think that, I mean, I'll have the time to, to plan for it, but I don't yeah. know what I would really 
do to change it unless I make like a little unique thing on the cover or something along those lines. Or an extra chapter from an alternate point of view or something like that. Right, right. Yeah. That's what I was going to say, like a special edition cover yeah. or like an additional scene or something. Yeah. So cool. That'd be fun. Yeah, that would be a really good idea. And then you could turn around and sell that on your website. <laughs> I don't know, just ideas. No, those are those are great marketing tools. You you are you are very good, uh, very good there, considering all the bonuses you've incorporated into your Kickstarter. So I'm really glad to get your insight. Now, Emma grew up. Our 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 guest is Emma Bennett, and she grew up and lived in London before falling in love and moving to Wales to marry her own hero. Emma lives with her husband and four children in a small Welsh market town. She's often found in rivers, attempting to control two overexcited chocolate labs. Emma can be found on YouTube, where she offers tips and tricks for writers, as well as book recommendations, author life logs, and live writing sprints. Emma likes in no particular order. Cakes, books, Cary Grant films, Prosecco, chocolate, guinea pigs, knitting, quilting, and happily ever afters. Welcome, Emma. Would you please take a moment to tell us Hello. a little bit? Would you please take a moment to tell us a little bit about yourself and anything we might have missed? Sure. Thank you so much for inviting me to be on the show. I am Emma Bennett, as Ben said. Um, I'm a UK-based writer. I generally write contemporary romance, but I have been writing a Regency romance as well. I also so write children's picture books, non-fiction for writers as of last month. And I'm a freelance developmental editor and a writing coach. And my YouTube channel has been going for about a year and a half now. And I'm sure that everything is linked in the show notes, description, whatever. Wonderful, wonderful. Well, rewinding the clock on all of those incredible, incredible author, <laughs> author related successes from, from your, your, your various genres that you write into your, to your helpful blogging and nonfiction, the suggestions, we'll, we'll get to it a little bit more, the advice you give within your, your books. Where did all this writing start? It started off, um, I think, probably about... 18 years ago was when I first started writing anything, maybe 19 years ago, actually. Um, and I started writing some children's picture books um, for my son. Um, but it's really, really hard to get picture books published. Really, really, really hard. And I eventually I'd kind of, I'd written a few stories and that was, that was great. I enjoyed that. And then I had an idea for my first romance called The Green Hills of Home. And yeah, so that was the first kind of full length book that I wrote. So speaking of that, first book. Can you tell us about the journey to publishing your first book? And was it a self-published book or was that one traditionally published? Um, so it was self-published to begin with. I finished the manuscript and I did actually send it out to um, a very big publisher of romantic fiction and they liked it and I had some great feedback. But <laughs> I was I was the Jon Snow of publishing, okay? I knew nothing whatsoever. So now I know that this particular publisher never would take it on because there are certain things in that book which don't fit with kind of the little rules that they have for their series. So they were really, really nice, like I say, and gave lots of feedback. And they also suggested that I change a lot, but I wasn't really happy with that. So I thought, well, why don't I try self-publishing? And so that is what I did 10 years ago. All right, Jon Snow. So can you tell us about your publishing career? Because it has taken many different turns. As you said, you self-published that mm -hmm. one first, but then you moved into traditional publishing. You're now hybrid. So can you talk a little bit about that journey and where you are today? Yeah, it's a mess. Basically, it's a big mess. <laughs> yeah, so I bought out um, the Green Hills of Home. I got some nice reviews and things and yeah, I, I sold copies. It wasn't crazy, but I sold copies. And then I wrote um, a second book, which I had originally called The Spaniard's Secret Daughter, I think. And I sent that off to a publisher that I'd heard good things about from um, another author. And they offered 
with me a publishing contract for that, but they also wanted the Green Hills of Home as well. So then the Green Hills of Home became traditionally published. And yeah, so then after that, I had one more book out with them and a couple of novellas. But at that point, I became ill. I had a vertigo problem, a problem with my ear, and I couldn't really write for a couple of years. And so I left my publisher because I was, I just felt bad. I wasn't able to produce the work that I said that I was going to be able to produce. I couldn't hit the deadlines. Nothing was going on with my books because obviously they were quite old and there's only going to be so much money that the publishers are going to throw at the books after that amount of time. So I kind of stepped back, took everything off the table um, until I was better again, at which point I decided to self-publish all of the books that I'd had out with that publisher along with a new book called Starstruck. And then (laughs) my book after that, I sent off to a publisher. They took on that book, but again, they said that they wanted my backlist. So then all of those books were taken off. Well, not the novellas. The novellas were still self-published, but the full-length novels were once again taken off self-published and were traditionally published. And yeah, I've just had a book out last week called Christmas Truce, which is my latest book with that publisher. And I've got three more books under contract for next year with them as well. And like I say, I've got a children's picture book that I've self-published as well. And then as of last month, two books, which are non-fiction books for writers. And that's tradi- or that's uh, self-published, those non-fiction books. Published, yeah. With your first self-published book, how did you make the decision to self-publish versus traditionally published? A lot of it was to do with not really being sure where to send the book and what the market was for for that book. I suspected there was a market for it. I had written it to market to a certain extent, look, you know, reading a lot of other contemporary romances, making it the right length, following the story arc, making sure that I kept a certain rules of the genre, if you like, but I wasn't sure where else to send it. And also got four children who were much, much younger at that point, um, taking up a lot of my time. And I didn't want to spend a year sending off to agents and to publishers to get rejected and then send it off. I just, I wanted the book out there. It was done and I wanted people to be able to read it if they wanted to and to be able to have that wonderful feeling of holding your own book in your hands. Yeah, that is a, a great feeling. It's an amazing mm-hmm. feeling that never gets old, no matter how many times <laughs> yeah. you publish. So publishing traditionally uh, as a self-published author is something that I'm interested in. So I would love to hear what your pros and cons are when it comes to publishing your, your work with the various routes to publishing with the two different platforms. Sure. Um, I think it is. it comes as a big change if you are used to self-publishing and then you're handing over control of you know one of your babies <laughs> to a publisher I think it's much much harder for somebody who has been self-published and it really does depend on the publisher itself that's the big difference I've had offers of contracts from um, three different publishers which I turned down because the things that they were offering were either unfair or just completely unreasonable I had one publisher who wanted to publish one of my books but expected me to then unpublish all the rest of them and not to do anything with them basically so I would just be sitting on six books without making any money from them whatsoever that you know were actually at that point on on Amazon kind of ticking away so you've got to be so 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 careful with reading the contracts and be really annoying if there's something that you don't know what it means ask them you know and ask them in an email so that you've got it in writing for example my publisher um, who are absolutely brilliant um, but one of 
of their clauses in their email is that I need to um, offer them first refusal for any contemporary romance that I write. Now, I didn't want to necessarily be locked in with them basically forever because with each new contract, I'm being offered that. So how do I get out of this contract? But it was only when I spoke to them, they said, oh, no, that just means that you need to offer it to us. You are under no obligation whatsoever to accept that offer. If you don't like what we're offering, you can just walk away and you can um, take it to someone else. I wouldn't have known that if I didn't ask. And I've got that in writing in an email as well. So if there ever was a problem, although I can't imagine that there ever would be, I've got some comeback on that. Um, you know, we all know how hard self-publishing is. It's wonderful. It is absolutely brilliant to have such control over your book to, even if you don't design the cover yourself, but to, um, to tweak it and to get it exactly how you want to have the wording of your book exactly as you want. Because, you know, an editor might come in if you're published and say, oh, I don't like this paragraph because blah, blah, blah. And they might be right as an editor. But as a writer, sometimes it's really, really hard to let go of that paragraph because you really like it, you know. And of course, with self-publishing, you can you can do that. You can keep you can do whatever you like. You can do um, you can do Kickstarters. You can be much, much more inventive. You can get coloring books um, coming out like like Shannon has and things like that. You can really use your imagination. And I think the readers that you get through self-publishing are loyal. They are so loyal because it's almost like they know how much effort that you have put into producing the whole book for them, not just writing it, but also producing the whole whole object. Um, so you do get very, very loyal readers. But finding those loyal readers is really hard. Being traditionally published in many ways, it is just so much easier. You know, you, ha you hand over your manuscript, you get your edits back, you do that. And then, you know, you're sent, I'm, I'm sent my cover designs and I, I get to give them the okay. If there's something that I don't like, then they will tweak things for me and things, but they write my blurb for me. And just, it's just so much easier. It really, really is. Come release day, I'm not spending the whole day as you are. If you're, if you're self-publishing, you are spending the whole day, actually probably weeks leading up to and afterwards, setting up promos and social media posts and interviews and stuff like that. I don't need to do any of that because much of it is done for me, you know, including, you know, amazing things like amazing promos and things on these big sites that, you know, there's frankly, there's no way that I'd be able to afford that for my self-published books, even if I really, really wanted to. Yeah, I'd say that's definitely a big benefit to being traditionally published is to get that marketing power behind you if they're willing to do that. Because we've heard from some um, tri-published authors here who said that they didn't have a whole lot that was done for them or that they were expected to do a whole lot themselves. Mm -hmm. on top of it. Um, but it would be so nice to be able to like, you know what, I'm tired. I'm not going to worry about today versus where you're self-published. You're like, I'm tired. I don't want to do it today. Oh, well, there goes some money. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, you've got to. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I also, I've never heard what you said about, uh, you know, where you feel like self-published authors have more loyal fans, but that does make sense. Um, mm -hmm. And I would probably add in there, it's probably too, because uh, as a trad published author, you have that middleman between you and the reader in a lot of cases, depending on how you're on mm -hmm. social media. You're in social, if you're on social media yourself and you're doing your own, you probably have a platform where you're connecting with your readers, but not all traditionally published authors, not even all self-published authors have social media platforms. Um, yeah. But if you are connecting like through the newsletter or whatever, it, maybe it seems like a, a less of a barrier between you and the, the reader. I don't know. I don't. I, I have to think that one over a little bit to, to know if that one was true or not. But um, I do think that's interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, so what's one misconception you had about self-publishing before you actually published your work? And I know you said you were Jon Snow, so maybe you didn't have any misconceptions, but... <laughs> Um, my major misconception was a weird one. And it was before I self-published. Actually, no, even
even when I'd when I'd done a few books self-published, that it was really, really hard and that it was something that I couldn't do um, and that it required too many skills that I didn't have. And um, there were just so many aspects of it that I wouldn't be able to do. So I'm, I am a developmental editor. Um, I also can very well um, cope with copy edits, line edits, whatever. I just choose not to because I don't like them. So I'm perfectly capable of editing my own book. I, I wasn't too worried about that, although we all know how hard it is to edit your own work, right? <laughs> um, I did have, instead of um, a receiver that somebody was picking up, like a telephone receiver, I had a retriever, like a dog, um, in like in, in, in my first book from, you know, we, we, we all miss things. Um, but it was more, it was the formatting and um, the covers and things like that, that I just thought, I there's no way, you know, I can't do this. And I'm not in a position to spend hundreds or thousands of pounds getting experts to do it. Um, luckily, I have a very, very handy husband who is annoyingly good at everything. There is nothing that this man can't do. Um, and he did the covers for me and the formatting and everything like that. What was really lovely about bringing out my latest two books, the nonfiction ones for writers, is that I did the covers myself. And I was so, so proud of myself. I sent them out to some people to kind of get their feedback. And they'd say, you know, oh, move this up, move this down. Oh, that needs to be bright or whatever. But I did that whole thing myself. And I think that was a big barrier for me with self-publishing and going through that. And I was like, I can do that. I, I mean, I still got a friend to do the formatting for me, but I, I did the cover myself. And I was really, really proud of myself. That. Yeah, I definitely sympathize with the reviewing your own work because I'm going through some of the editor's <laughs> comments. And there's definitely a few times where there are here's that should be hers. Mm -hmm. And I swear I made those changes before I sent it out, but uh, apparently I was wrong. <laughs> Anyways, you recently moved into publishing nonfiction, which you self-published. Can you tell us a little bit more about your new books and your inspirations behind them? Yeah, so both of them inspired by the same thing, and that was viewers on my YouTube channel asking me to write them. So I did a social media kind of challenge for the first half of this year, which I'm going to be completing next year, where each month I took one social media platform and basically just saw what I could do to improve my reach on them, to improve my general experience and hopefully even get some book sales. And the one which seemed to resonate with people the most was Twitter or X as it's now known. I think people are very, very confused about how to use that platform, especially with all the changes that have gone on. So I had several people saying to me, the advice you're giving is really good. Can you write a book on it so that I've got it all together? So me being me, I agree to stuff. I'm like, yeah, I'll write a book. That's no problem. And again, the, the NaNoWriMo book, um, which came out just at the beginning of October, that came from me doing an awful lot of research into NaNoWriMo because when I was going to start NaNoWriMo for the first time last year, I was really, really nervous. And so I read, watched, I just found out everything that I could about how to win NaNoWriMo to try to set myself up for success. And while I was sharing some of these tips in my vlogs and in other videos, people were saying to me, can you collect these tips together? Can you make this into a book? So for Camp Nano, I wrote those books and was able to bring them out last month. 
Nice. So did you find that self-publishing your nonfiction books to be different from publishing your other works? Um, It was much, much easier in a way because of the amazing supportive community that I'm now part of. Because when I first started out 10 years ago, I didn't really know any other writers at all. I certainly didn't know people who were doing self-publishing and who were doing their own formatting and covers and things like that who could offer advice. They were also... There wasn't what we have now. There weren't the different options of the different apps and the websites and things that you can use to help you. You know, the amazing Canva um, that I, I think we we all love wasn't a thing then. So yeah, in a way, it was just much, much easier because I had so much help available if I needed it. I could reach out to lots of different people, with so many different skills and say, okay, how do I do this? Because I don't know. And I need you to just tell me in the simplest way possible how to do this. So that was really lovely. So I think Thinking back to when you were saying your your first romance book that you wrote and you sent it out and you didn't know like some of the things that they were looking for. I'm sure now that you have some great tips that you can share. So for your fiction, you write contemporary romance. What are some of those tips for writers that, uh, who want to write it and publish in contemporary romance that you can share with us? So the things that I particularly learned about the, the publishing from when I was first sending out my first manuscript were particularly in um, relation to companies like Mills and Boone and Harlequin romance because they have series that they bring out they they obviously have certain lengths of books which I knew about but I didn't know that they also um, had rules about um, the fact that the protagonists need to be together as much as possible in the book so things like that you can't have the hero and heroine apart for a couple of chapters you can maybe do it for a chapter but they kind of have to be thinking about each other but it's very very intense between the two main characters is the best way I can put it and it's important to carry that through throughout the book and to also introduce them to each other as early as possible um, which is something um, that I didn't do so it was stuff like that which is particularly applicable to that kind of publishing as opposed to contemporary romance as a whole knowing what I know now for contemporary romance I would very much say the same as I would to anybody wanting to write any genre and that is just to read as much as you possibly can in the genre that you are writing Writing, but particularly if you well, if you want to be traditionally published, particularly read the books that are selling in that genre. Write whatever you want. I strongly believe that everybody should write whatever they want. Yeah, in whatever genre you want, mix up the genres, do whatever you like. But if you want to be traditionally published in a certain genre, then there are rules that you need to follow. It's important that you know those rules and that you know what sells and what the publishing houses are going to want. When I was doing research and reading in my genre for fantasy romance before I wrote my first fantasy romance book, um, I do remember reading that, and I don't think it was actually particular. I think it was just about romance altogether. I heard those same two things. Mm-hmm. Introduce them as soon as possible. That meet cute needs to happen quickly. And if they're not in the same scene together, then they need to be thinking about the other person. So I tried as much as possible to do that. The whole meet cute thing, that was a little bit harder because I was setting up the fantasy line and I was like, I think my meet cute comes too late. And I kept thinking that cute, but all my readers, they all said they didn't point it out saying anything about it was too late. So I was like, okay, I'm going to yeah. go with this. <laughs> so. Yeah. I'd like Personally, I think that it can be fine. It depends on the romance sometimes they meet straight away sometimes they meet a little bit later like in my book her sister's baby which is being republished next year the hero and heroine don't meet for the first two chapters i think it is and there's not even any mention it's told from the the heroine's point of view and there is no mention of the hero at all because her sister has just died in a car crash and that's what she's dealing with 
she doesn't know anything about the hero's existence. It turns out that he is the father of her sister's baby that the heroine didn't know about. So she had no idea that this guy even exists until he turns up on her doorstep, like the day after she's been given this baby. Um, and I think it works really, really well for that, but it would not be taken on by one of those particular publishers. If you could pass on one thing to aspiring self-published writers, what's your best self-publishing tip or trick? I think just to read and write as much as you possibly can. I think people get very caught up in perfectionism and trying to learn everything. And it, it's great to read craft books. It is, and that is part of reading. But when I say read a lot, what I mean is read a lot of everything, not just your genre, but whatever, whatever you enjoy, just read it, take in as much as you possibly can and write whenever you can as well. Don't overthink it and have to get it perfect and keep fiddling with with the first chapter so that you never actually move on to finish the book because we all know how hard it is to finish a book it's a ridiculously low percentage of manuscripts that actually get completed because it's really easy to open up a blank folder or a blank file um, however you're going to do it and begin writing but to continue and to actually get to the end that's the hardest so we're going to transition a little bit away from publishing to marketing, something that I always love to hear tips on. <laughs> so what marketing do you do for your books? And is this different between traditionally published works and your self-published ones? Yeah, so um, it's really, really different in many ways. So with my self-published books, it's actually very different between my romances and the non-fiction books as well. Um, I, with the romances um, when I was self-publishing them I did I tried out all kinds of marketing things I tried Facebook ads I tried Amazon ads as we all do some of them worked some of them didn't um, building an organic audience I think is really really important and that does take time frustratingly long time sometimes but those are the people who are going to end up being your real fans um, with my non-fiction books um, I made a very conscious decision that um, I wasn't going to spend money on marketing for them. The reason for this was that I, I wrote them for a very particular set of people who asked me to write them. I'm very aware that those books are never going to sell a million, a million copies each. Um, that's not why I wrote them. I wrote them because people asked me to and I thought it would be a fun challenge because I'd never written anything like that before. And um, hopefully the people who asked me to write them, I believe most of them have, have bought them and read them and that they have been useful to them. But yeah, they're, they're never going to sell a million copies. It's not worth me spending hundreds of pounds on a cover designer and on various ads everywhere. And I think it is important to be aware of that when you're bringing out a book, not to let the costs spiral out of control if it's not reasonable that you're going to make those costs back. There are certain genres that will sell very well, that are hugely popular, especially in self-publishing, like um, romance, like fantasy, like erotica. Those books are probably going to sell well if they've got some money put behind them so that people actually see them. With my traditionally published books, um, my publishers do a huge amount for me. Now, that isn't the case with every publisher. I know, um, Shannon said earlier, there are a lot of authors who basically still have to do everything themselves. My publishers even um, provided me with a book trailer that they made for me. They provide me with various graphics and things, which they send over before, um, like a week before my 
my books coming out. They organize um, art copies being sent out to various reviewers uh, and put on Net Gallery, for example. They, yeah, they do so much. So while I will still do some marketing, I'll talk about my books in my videos. I will obviously announce that it's um, release day. I'll do kind of a cover reveal. There, it's it's nowhere near the same amount of work that I need to do. If I, if I miss a day, if I don't post about them, it's fine, basically. I think that's interesting what you say too about your conscious plan when it came to your nonfiction because um, you know I've been writing a nonfiction book I'm hoping to publish next year and I've already come to like the decision I'm probably not gonna put marketing dollars into it I don't really have like an audience who's like write this book write this book um, I don't think anyone's really doing that but I think it's gonna be helpful for like the topic the topic is, is something that a lot of people have asked me about which is just you know building your newsletter newsletter list so mm-hmm. it, it hasn't taken me very long to write it I just have to sit down and finish it <laughs> but I think I wrote the most of it in, in two days just sitting down was like eighteen thousand words um, altogether but um, and it, you know and nonfiction books are also much shorter so you don't have a lot you don't have a lot of words in there but yeah I, I think mm-hmm. I'm probably gonna be on cover and of course I do my own formatting already for the interior so yeah I, I kind of I'm glad to hear you say that because that's kind of, I was wondering if I was thinking the wrong thing by not thinking about putting any marketing dollars behind that book uh, you know I, I think you, you do actually need to think about the financial return that you're going to get and whether or not it's worth it you know we, we want to see our books looking beautiful and in print but I think there are ways that we can do that either for free or very cheaply um, nowadays, especially if we know the right people to help with the formatting in my case. Yeah, definitely take advantage of whoever you know. And I don't mean take advantage and like use people up because you can offer services yeah. to people as well. Yeah. So there's a lot of exchange of services that can be done, um, but definitely lean on your community and see where you can help them and they can help for sure. Yeah. So. All right. Well, can you share a few tips about social media marketing on Twitter? Now X from your newer release reader, I tweeted him a writer's guide to social media marketing on Twitter. X. Um, I think the main thing to do with Twitter in particular, but with all social media platforms, is just to be very sure of what you want your place on it to be. There's not really a lot of point to going onto Twitter and just posting about anything willy-nilly um, and sticking links to um, sites that take you, that take the reader away from Twitter. You need to really not plan out every single post that you're going to do for the next six months or something like that, but be aware of exactly who you are wanting to attract with your posts. What are you wanting to put out into the world? What what are you selling? Um, you're selling yourself. Okay, is it just yourself? Is it your books? Is it your YouTube channel? If you've got one, is it a course that you're selling? And make sure that you stay in that niche as much as possible. I mean, nobody's going to mind if you put one random post about something that you just really like, but you are going to get much better interaction if people know what to expect from you. And if more importantly, the algorithm knows what to expect from you. Um, But my absolute top tip, the top thing that I wish people would do on all social media is please, your profile picture, put it of yourself. Okay. I don't care how cute your cat is or your dog or what beautiful cake that you made or how amazing the sunset was outside your house last week. People want to see you. They want to connect with you. Yeah. If, if If you really don't feel comfortable with putting your face on social media, then maybe like an avatar or something that kind of will resonate with people and will give the the vibe of what you're like could work as well but just putting something random it's it's it doesn't create that connection with people people want to see what you look like and they want to know about you i think that's really really important too in this time when now we're having all this ai because people want to know there's a real person behind the writing the words whatever it is that you're doing Yeah. yeah Well, I have bad news for you on that one as at how easy it is to simulate and 
get fake images that that you could then use to mm-hmm. become a bot. Anyways, well, no, that's, that's been it. happening over time. Anyways, oh, yeah. I mean, people have put up pictures of someone else and said that that was them. Yeah, yep. it, it's happened yeah, yeah. over time. Mm-hmm. But I think it's just more important to have a picture of you versus like your cat or dog, just so you know, so that they feel that they're connecting with a human. Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. I gotcha. Well, Emma, what marketing have you tried that you would never do again? I don't think that I would necessarily agree to um, some of the kind of author appearances that I have agreed to over the years. I think it's lovely to meet readers, but it's important to make sure that if you're going out of your way and you're spending your time doing something, particularly when you're kind of going out in the public and you need to get there and get back, make sure that it's it's worth your time. So going to a random event where there might mainly be romance readers for example if you're a sci-fi writer you're probably not going to get many sales you're not going to get many people following you on social media and stuff like that so I've done some library events that I was invited to for example and everybody was really lovely but some of them were clearly not readers of my genre and while they maybe wanted to know about my writing journey they were never going to buy my books they were never going to follow me on any of my social media or um, kind, of, kind of be interested in following up with what was going on with me, I think. So it probably wasn't worth my time. So the tip is rather long-winded way of saying, just really think about what you're committing to and making sure that it's worth your time and your energy. Well, you kind of answered my next question a little bit, um, but do you have any any other, like, if a self-published author could only do one thing for marketing, what would that one thing be? What would you tell them to do? Um, I would say go on one social media, which is the one that you believe that most of your readers will be on and spend your time doing that social media platform properly and well. Set yourself up with a strategy, work out what your brand is going to be and who you are trying to attract. You need to imagine your ideal reader, the person who is going to be desperate to read your book and work out how you are going to get their attention what platform is best for that and what should you be posting oh i failed that one (laughs) um i honestly don't think that any of my social media is set up for readers as much as i want it to be most of my stuff is all for writers so it's like (laughs) yeah it it, it's hard to find that distinction because i think nobody wants to be posting about their book all the time because people will get bored of just seeing that so what else do you do well oh okay most writers are also readers so we're going to share about other books, but then you're just promoting other writers, which is lovely, but it's kind of not why you're there on the social media platform, is it? I think um, our friend Estelle Vandervelt, she has some really interesting things to say about that. And she gets really, really frustrated when she sees authors um, doing that because she's like, you're supposed to be promoting yourself and your own work, <laughs> not everybody else. Well, I've kind of um, resigned is not the right word because it, it, it signifies like something negative, but I've kind of come to the, to the conclusion I guess maybe that although my social media platforms may not be set up strictly for my my readers, it's mostly for writers. I really like the spaces I'm in. I really like the community. I love the connection. So I, I don't think I could continue on without having that. I mean, yeah, sure, I can continue on. It's really um, <laughs> hyperbole, uh, hyperbole there. Um, can't say that word. <laughs> but um, yeah, I really do like the the community. So I, I would continue doing it. Um, mm-hmm. so. All right. Well, let's tra- 
transition from your publishing to your writing life and uh, your work. So what does your typical writing life look like? Do you plan to write for a set period of time every day, have weekly, monthly, yearly word count goals? And this is like a perfect time to be asking because we're in NaNoWriMo as we're filming this. (laughs) Yeah, so things are looking a little different at the moment because of NaNoWriMo. So I will be spending more time writing. I'm not a full-time anything, honestly. Um, I'm I think when people hear the term full-time writer, you think of somebody who almost writes nine till five and that's what they they spend their whole day doing. Um, I don't do that at all, to be honest. I do lots and lots of different things, but it certainly doesn't add up to a nine to five job. And my writing definitely has to fit around other things um, to do with my family mainly. Um, I'm not a morning person at all. I'm completely terrible in the morning. Um, I, I can get up. I just don't function well. So there's no point to me trying to write early in the morning or do anything that requires that amount of brain power. So I tend to settle down to writing after lunch, get the dogs walked, get kind of housework and and stuff done in the morning. And then I can kind of settle down and do some writing. Um, But especially during NaNoWriMo, I find that I tend to write the most between about 10 o'clock at night and midnight. And it's because that's when I go into panic mode because I realize that I've been messing around and fiddling around with words all day and I haven't been like properly focused on actually getting words out so for example I've written for a couple of hours today but I think I've only got about 400 new words because I was rereading what I wrote yesterday and tweaking it and thinking about things I'm a big thinker big thinker (laughs) I'm not a fast writer at all there's a lot of thinking that goes on not all of it makes sense so yeah about 10 o'clock I begin to panic especially during NaNoWriMo that I haven't written enough and that's when I kind of settle down and I actually get the word in. It reminds me of when I was teaching and I would tell my students, you know, write their essays ahead of time, sit on it for a day, come back to it. And they're like, no, I do better when it's like the last minute. And now I've got to get the essay done. <laughs> so I, I, yeah, I don't live that way either. Ben shaking his head. I'm like, yeah. That was you. Writing it right before school, the night before. I I used to yeah. do my art homework. We had a week to do it. And I used to be doing it in the morning as the homework monitor was coming around to pick it up because I hated art homework so much. I'd be there underneath the desk frantically trying to draw something. Nope. I'm the exact opposite. I would get everything done and then go do whatever else. But I needed to get it done. Otherwise, I couldn't you know, go through my day. <laughs> but can you share a few tips about writing for a nano or what's the one in April? Um, nano Camp. Camp, Camp Nano. Camp. There we go. From your newest release, Write, Eat, Sleep, Repeat. 30 days, 50,000 words. How to win NaNoWriMo. Um, So I take quite a holistic approach to NaNoWriMo and I'm very aware of my own limitations and when I work best and how I work best. So, for example, I know that I can't write early in the morning. I know that I can't write if I'm surrounded by mess or if I've got a lot of other stuff on my mind. So it's important for me to clear those things out. Yeah, work out when you work best, how you work best. So it's really important to be aware of when you work best and where you work best. So maybe it would help if you get out of the house and you go to a coffee shop or something like that. Personally, that doesn't work for me because I find it too distracting. Um, But I don't like it to be completely silent. I like to be in the middle of the house because I'm also really nosy and I don't want to miss anything that happens. Um, And know that there might be days when you're not able to write. Things come up, especially like, you know, how thoughtless of it was Thanksgiving in the middle of NaNoWriMo come on that was 
you know, could the pilgrims not have chosen a better time <laughs> to do this? Um, so that I know that's really, really awkward for people in the US doing NaNoWriMo, especially if they've got family that they're going to visit. So sometimes you just have to look at the days in November and just go, okay, I'm not going to be able to write much at all on this day, this day and this day and accept that's going to happen and then work your word count out for the other days, taking out those days and yeah, just work around things like that. Can you tell us a little bit about what you're working on next and when you think it'll come out? Yeah, so my nano project is, it's called The Scottish Christmas at the moment, but that is just a working title and it is my Christmas book for next year. So it's all just coming together at the moment, but it's about a young woman called Rose um, who ends up going to Scotland to work for a rather handsome Scottish laird on his estate, helping him to set up Christmas. For some reason, he doesn't like Christmas and she is determined to find out why. And guess what? They're going to fall in love. Um, So yeah, that's going to be out next Christmas. And then as soon as I've finished NaNoWriMo, I'm going to get back to my Regency book, which I began during Camp NaNo. And I am really, really looking forward to getting back into that Regency world and hopefully finishing that off by the end of January. That one I am going to be querying at some point next year. So I'm not sure when it will be published yet. Now it's time for something completely different. We would love to do a rapid round of or a round of rapid fire questions where you answer each question as quickly as possible. Are you up for it? Yeah. Cool. Then what comes first for you? The characters, the settings, or plot? Characters. Characters always come first. Are you a morning or a night writer? Night writer. Planner, pantser, or planter? I think I'm a planner, but I'm actually not because I don't plan that well. So I'm probably more like a pantser. You want to be a planner. I do want to be a planner. I'm just not very good at it. (laughs) Coffee, tea, and I'm going on a third option of hot chocolate. Um, Definitely not hot chocolate. Um, Depends on the time of day. If I could only choose one tea. Complete the sentence. The best thing about writing is working from home. First thought when you got your first one star review. Oh, bum. What's your favorite book to write? Um, at the moment, it's my Regency book. That's because it's something completely different. And I have written quite a few contemporary romances now. So it was really nice to be writing something in a different era. What was your least favorite book to write? My least favorite book to write was A Christmas Truce, um, which is the book that's just come out because I got about half of the way through and realized that it was a complete mess and I didn't know what to do at all. Um, So thankfully, my editor was amazing and I sent her what I had and she told me in no uncertain terms that my hero was awful um, and that no one would like him and that he was the problem. So um, I fixed him and to make her happy, I set it at Christmas and now now I quite like it. Now, Now I'm happy with it. I just didn't like it when I was writing it. When you said that, I was like, that's a great way to, you know, boost your book sales right now. (laughs) <laughs> I don't like my book that's out right it's now. It's a good book, I promise. It's a really good book. Yeah. Check out the Amazon It was the reviews. process of writing it that you didn't like. <laughs> it was the process of writing it. Yeah, <laughs> the end product is good. All right. Really, really good. Your Please favorite buy it. romance novel ever. It is The Hating Game by Sally Thorne. I love that book. It's been made into a Netflix film, which is pretty good. Um, was it an Amazon? It might be an Amazon film, actually. But um, the book is amazing. 
Thank you for answering all of our questions. Before we wrap up, can you please tell our listeners where they can find you and purchase your books? Yes, you can find me on my YouTube channel. I am Emma Bennett on YouTube and my books are all available on Amazon as eBooks, most of them as paperbacks as well. And I think most of them are on Kindle Unlimited if you have that. Again, thank you so much for joining us and giving your insight and experience on romance writing, on nonfiction writing, on prepping for NaNoWriMo, which hopefully everyone who's watching this has success completed and or is prepping to do so for Camp Nano. You can catch us next week for our next tip or trick of the week. Bye, everyone. Bye. You can catch us next week with our next tip or trip or trick. Sorry. You can catch us next week with our next tip. One more sentence. Come on. Thank you so much to our incredible listeners and viewers for joining us on our exploration of everything self-publishing. We hope you found our podcast to be a treasure trove of insights and inspiration. If you've enjoyed the show, please consider leaving a review on your favorite podcast platform or thanks on our YouTube episodes. Don't forget, you can catch all of our past episodes on YouTube, Spotify, and other major podcast platforms. And if you'd like to connect with us, drop us a line at selfpublishingtipstricks at gmail.com. Keep writing, keep publishing, and we'll see you next time.